0: Welcome to Talk Poetry to Me. I'm your host, Daisy Ray, bringing you some of the best voices from the world of poetry and the spoken word. Today, I'm talking to the author of Show Me the Banksy, My Life If I Took the Other Path, and Rumblings of an Old Man, and That's Just the Tip of the Iceberg. Please welcome to the show, Elliot M. Rubin.
1: Hi, thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Can't wait to get to learn more about you. You were highly recommended from a past guest on the show, Safraz Ahmed. So we are all expecting great things from you today. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is high. Tell us a little bit about what got you started in writing. Where did it all come from?
1: Uh, I've always uh, had a creative streak in, uh, in myself. Uh, I, was, I was in the furniture business. I was the third generation. When the recession came in 2008, uh, I closed to my store and I was uh, driving home and I was listening to National Public Radio, and they had three-minute stories where somebody would tell a story. And the hostess said, well, three minutes is uh, roughly 600 words. So that was my first book. I said, you know, I could do that because being in business all these years, I had met so many people and I heard so many stories besides what I did myself. Uh, My first book was flash fiction. And then uh, I took a class at a local community college uh, for a continuing education for adults. Uh, it was a six week class. First three weeks was flash fiction, the second three weeks was poetry. Uh, I had also written uh, about six or eight crime novels based on uh, Brooklyn and people I knew. Uh, names were changed, uh, not to protect them, but to protect myself. Uh, I like to live.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Brooklyn is, is unique in the world. So, anyway, so when I got out of the class, on the fourth week, we had just started poetry. And I said to myself, poetry is nothing but a short story. It's done in stanzas. And I don't have to spend six months to a year writing a novel. I could get out what I want to say. And when you think about it, a poem has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it tells a story. And in itself, it's a novel. And then the professor exposed me to Charles Bukowski, Frank O'Hara. And I said, this is for me. And I started to uh, write in that vein, uh, which is free verse poetry. I do on occasion do haikus and some rhyme, uh, but that's not my style. And then being I was a business major in college, I was not an English major. I got into some poetry critique groups. And that's where I really learned besides continuing uh, with college classes from English to teachers. It really fine-tuned my poetry, and I started to write, and I c- continued to write too much. Uh, I needed more critique, so I, I said, I have to start my own, and I now have two poetry critique groups that I facilitate, uh, and I have people uh, like Safraz uh, from Midlands. I have a uh, physician from London. I have uh, an English teacher from California on my Thursday morning group. She gets up at 5 a.m., because I have a 9 a.m. thing. So that's where I learned. And I, I don't publish anything until it's critiqued. I published myself 34 books of poetry. Wow. Uh, eight novels, three books of Jewish humor. And then this last book, I decided to try a publisher, and I'm thrilled with her. Prolific Pulse Press. And uh, she helped me with the marketing and all. And I just sent her another three books of poetry. And I'm working on two more one of which is going to be on uh, beat poetry. So I've been doing that.
0: So you write full-time then, do you?
1: Well, I'm retired. If my wife doesn't have things for me to do, uh, (laughs) you know, but all I have to do is hear a phrase or a word. Yeah. And if it it sets off my creativity, I can't tell you what it is. Uh, Like I just wrote uh, a poem the other day. I heard, uh, I think it was Cruel Summer. By Taylor Swift on her list, so I just took the heading and the poem has has to do with a cruel song, but it's not her her poem, her title.
0: You were just inspired by the title, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, and that's all I need, you know. Uh, and I've always been there that way. My father, uh, may rest in peace, uh, used to write poetry and prayers, and uh, his brother also used to write. I would say letters. To all world leaders, he had an idea and uh, it just runs, you know, I was creative in business and uh, it just flowed through and I I thoroughly enjoy it.
0: Sounds like you are fully inspired by life itself and everything around you.
1: I've lived a full life. I've done a lot in my life. Nothing that I'm ashamed of. That's good. Yes. (laughs) Not many can say that. (laughs) No, nothing I'm ashamed of. Uh, There's some things I don't like to talk about. But the, there's nothing illegal. You know, being in business, uh, I hire people and they start telling me their life stories. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that just sets off the wheels uh, of creativity. And you remember that. You remember, you know, the heartaches, the happiness, you know, the good times, the bad times. A good writer, not necessarily is creative, but he has to be a reporter.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: You know, in a sense, I'm always aware, I always notice, you know, I try to go for walks twice a day. I see brown leaves on the floor, and all of a sudden, a poem will come to mind about end of life. Oh. You know, I think it kind of relates.
0: Yeah, and well, they've fallen done there,
1: yeah. Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago, I was coming home with my wife. It was uh, late afternoon, and as I made the turn uh, onto the street, It was an older lady on a bike just waiting on the side. That became a poem. You know, you, you see things, you know, you have to be a reporter. You have to, you know, nobody creates out of nothing. You have to have something to talk about.
0: Something that sparks it.
1: Yeah. You know, you have to have baggage, if you will. Yeah. You know, I couldn't write what I'm writing now when I was 21.
0: Yeah. You've got a lot of life experience now, like I have.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, you need it. If nothing else, to season you, you know, how to phrase things. You know, you don't want to tick people off. Uh, You want them to like what you write. I must have written over a thousand poems. I think I only had one vulgarity in one poem once. And I hesitated to take that out. But my critique group said, no, it really belongs in there. (laughs) So I
0: should the occasion arise, sometimes it really does work. Sometimes you need it, sometimes because it's the value of the piece. I did want to ask, though, you say you need a lot of, like, journalists in you to be able to write all your poetry. Do you not think that you need to be quite emotional as well? Because there is a lot of emotion in poetry, I think.
1: Yes. As far as emotion, I I would rather say, yes, you do need emotion, but you also need introspective feelings mm. you know empathy is i think is the key word
0: okay yes
1: okay and if you write with empathy you you can write romance you can can you can touch people you know i write about life you know it was about two years ago i wrote a poem about the palestinian israeli conflicts and now today it's even more relevant
0: yes yes
1: it's a peace poem you know and, and it tells i could read it for you if you like lovely is called Conflicted Hate. I hate you, although we never met. When I see where you are or came from, I delete your words, I delete your thoughts, I delete you completely before you even can tell me what you want to say. It is a visceral feeling rooted in my childhood, hearing of the Holocaust, young relatives I never met, yet saw pictures of before their dreary slow march into the dark shadowed woods of death. I'd rather embrace you, love you, but your leader swears to kill all my kind, to push them into the sea. They are of my bloodline. You are of my bloodline. This madness must stop. The hate must be buried with both of our dead loved ones for this madness to end in peace.
0: Very strong piece, that, isn't it?
1: Yeah. That came from deep.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, very thought-provoking. It's good that you're not afraid of hitting the hard subjects.
1: No, I aim for that sometimes. Yeah. You want people to remember what you said.
0: That's very true, yes.
1: You know, you could say hello to a thousand people, no one's going to remember you. But if you say, hello, good-looking... They're going to remember you.
0: <laughs> I like that philosophy. I might try that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, very good point. Do
1: <laughs> you like? I have another one I could read. This one, from the last book, uh, Show Me the Bank Seat. Okay. This one is uh, July in San Francisco, 1969, uh, when I was there. My first time here, unbearable summer heat. The tour bus stopped at the intersection of Hate ashbury When the doors open, I step off to mingle with young hippies in cut-off shorts, dirty t-shirts, with unshaved legs, unshaved faces, unshaved armpits, and unwashed. Strung out, walk trance-like past me, going nowhere, doing nothing, just hanging. Strolled about a little, on different street corners, I saw Jesus in a white robe, preaching redemption. A bunch of Mary Magdalene's at his side. Couldn't decide on a corner to visit since they all offer drugs and love for everyone for a few dollars for a few minutes of heaven. That
0: conjures up in my mind Every American movie I've ever seen, around The Godfather and such like, where they're all playing around the fire hydrants and everybody's half dressed, and it just reminds me of all of those movies. That is such good imagery.
1: I usually write very concisely. Mm. And when I started to write novels, uh, I had to expand and I had to really put in detail. So I think that's a uh, a remnant of my novel days that I put into the poetry. I'll I'll read the title poem, uh, which was just submitted. uh, Show Me the Banksy was the book, and the title poem is of the same name, and that was just submitted for a pushcart prize. Okay. It's Show Me the Banksy. Quickly, he gathers up the tools of his trade, brushes, palette knives, and paints, to pack them in a case before anyone awakes. An ignored wall no one ever notices, is now a canvas, a work of art, a simple statement painted while no one watches or even cares. As the sun comes up, a passerby sees it, then another. Before long, a crowd gathers. News media arrives to take pictures, write about it. Soon its image goes viral. The lonely wall is now famous. People stand across, admire it, where once they passed by absorbed in their own thoughts. Little do they realise the images of them, a group of people staring at a wall.
0: Yeah, showing me the Banksy indeed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You have a really good voice for reading poetry, I have to say. Do you prefer poetry or do you prefer novels?
1: No, I prefer poetry. I, I've done novels, I did about seven or eight of them, and I decided I want to have a life. Yeah. Because when you when you do a novel, you have no life. You're immersed. Although I am in awe of uh, Hemingway, when I went to his house in Key West a few years ago, uh, they said that he would write in the morning in his studio till he did 600 words or lunch. <laughs> uh, that, that was his standard. <laughs> so, you know, but I can't do that. You know, I don't have a studio. I have a, a, my little laptop and I have a wife that uh, I have to do things with and I have children and grandchildren. But now you have time to reminisce and all of a sudden, you know, one lead, one word leads to another and memories pop up and I sit down. Uh, what I do is on my cell phone in notes, I'll start writing. So when I get home, I could transfer it to my uh, desktop and I finish it up. Yeah. You can't walk around with a pen and paper every day, but you, everybody has a cell phone with them.
0: Especially nowadays.
1: And I try to limit my poems to a page. I write on a six by nine page. Okay, what a lot of people do is they'll write on a normal eight eight by eight and a half by eleven. Okay, and then when when poems get published, it shrinks down and the format, and they they have, uh, I call it diarrhea of the typewriter. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's just too long, you know. So I I try to format.
0: So you're a page a poem. Yeah, uh,
1: it's, it's the six by nine. Yeah. Just uh, what a trade magazine would be. And I, I limit it to uh, normally four or five, maybe six stanzas. Uh, okay. Occasionally I will do two pages. It's rare. It's very rare for me.
0: When you're writing, do you write with a view to it being performed or do you write for the page?
1: I, I don't write for it to be performed. I don't write for it to be published. I write for my own enjoyment and hopefully – I keep in mind that somebody else may be reading it. My original impetus was to write for my grandchildren and great-grandchildren yeah. to know, hey, I remember, you know, I met him once, <laughs> or if they didn't meet me, this is, you know, this is something they did, you know, and uh, that that was my original impetus to write.
0: You've done any script writing or that type of thing?
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: Just because you paint a very vivid picture with your poems. It's like you're setting a scene and you're very vivid with imagery. You put a very definite image in my head when I'm listening to you.
1: Thank you. Uh, I did write one years ago. I was in a writing group and they had a, uh, one of the women had a Christmas party at her house and she invited the whole group over and uh, she was Jewish and her husband was Greek and it was a lovely house. So Uh, Before I went, I wrote a small three-page play, an interview, uh, Susie News, N-U-U-S, Interview Santa Claus. And (laughs) it was an interview, and I had one of the women read it with me. She was Susie News, and I was Santa Claus. And the gist of it is Santa Claus had uh, uh, ingrown toenails and gout, and he went to a Jewish (laughs) podiatrist in Brooklyn. And 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 they substituted the podiatrist for him, and You had a Jewish Santa Claus going around, et cetera, et cetera. So it went off very big. And uh, every time I uh, read it to someone, they want a copy of it. So uh, a few weeks ago, I read it uh, to my uh, Wednesday afternoon group. And uh, Tara, who's a physician in London, asked if she could have it. because she goes to this performance group. So if they ever perform it, I'll fly to England. (laughs) Otherwise...
0: (laughs) Do that. You should do that.
1: One of these days.
0: So you're going to continue writing?
1: Oh, yeah, until I get uh, dementia.
0: So it's in your blood then, really, isn't it? It's just who you are.
1: You're right. You know, it's it's it becomes habit-forming. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's a good release. You know, in my novels, there was a fellow by the name of Bernard when I was a kid who was a neighborhood bully. And in all of my novels, there's a person by the name of bernard who has a gruesome awesome torturous death okay and this is and this is what a writer nice. can do you know you know when you're a writer you control the world you really do
0: you kill off your nemesis several times over
1: <laughs> we're showing no mercy <laughs> but the writers could do that you know and uh
0: do you think he knows i'd like to think he does <laughs>
1: I don't want to say anything nasty. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know,
0: Very interesting.
1: <laughs> you know, that's, my, that's my Brooklyn coming out sometimes. For the poetry, everything seeps in. You know, it, yeah. it's life. You know, you can't make stuff up all the time. There is some uh, fiction in a lot of the poems. Mm. Once in a while, you'll you'll put some makeup some nonfiction, but for the most part, it's it's based on what you see. It's you know you have to you have to have awareness of your surroundings and you write about it. As yeah. I said, you know, a good writer is really a journalist. Poetry I love.
0: yes. I think I, it's so versatile, isn't it? It's not just about like you were saying earlier, it's not just about having a little rhyme here or there. I don't have no. to rhyme at all, but it's getting out those feelings and those stories and that imagery, and it's doing it in a concise space.
1: There's a fellow in one of my groups that does uh, primarily sonnets, and I don't have the, you know, to do a sonnet, it's like being fenced in. You know, you, you're limited. Yeah, there's certain it's uh, four, 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 two, and then rhymes, and then there's Ital- then there's the Italian rhyme and the Shakespearean uh, sonnet and the Italian sonnet. And, I can't do that. You know, I don't have the patience for it.
0: Yeah, Very, very structured.
1: Yeah. The, mo- the most I'll do is haiku occasionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm three lines and I'm finished. I-, I may have some in this book. You know, this must be about nature and all, but today in the contemporary uh, poetry, it could be about anything. Yeah, I don't think I have any in this book. I'm just whizzing through it. Here's a poem I'm going to read to you. It's called Bloomsbury Writers. Okay. Talking about English. That's the title. He liked to hang with the writing literati where he can run amok with the wild use of present participles as he verbs women who are attracted to him. Of course, they must be hyphen free.
0: Clever right so before we let you go though <laughs> there are a couple of things so as is tradition on this podcast i would like it if you would recommend another poet or spoken word artist for our listeners
1: if you're into sonnets there's a uh, fellow in my group william waldorf he writes primarily sonnets uh, i've been in groups with him for years and i get him into groups he gets me into groups and uh, he has a book published and he's coming out with another one. Lovely. So if you're into sonnets, I mean, you know, it drives me nuts. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah. so, but uh, but he, he cherishes it, you know, the rhymes and the near rhymes, you know, and the slant rhymes, you know, he does it all.
0: What a recommendation. Thank you very much for that. Where can people find you online so we can continue to follow your journey now we know you?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram. It's Elliot M. Rubin, E-L-L-I-O-T, underscore M, underscore R-U-B-I-N. I try to post daily poetry. Uh, I only follow poets. Other people do follow me, and I allow it sometimes, as long as, you know, they, they don't upset me. But basically, it's on uh, Instagram. Uh, they can find my stuff. My books are on uh Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and my website is creativefiction.net.
0: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. That brings us to the end of our enlightening conversation, but well, I have enjoyed every second of it. You've been lovely to speak
1: with. Thank you. So have you. It's a pleasure of have been here.
0: Thank you. All that's left for me to say before I leave is thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to ask you to share it with your friends and family and anyone whose heart and mind loves the power of the spoken word. Let's build our community of poetic souls together. Join us on Twitter at TalkPoetry underscore to me. You can also email me at TalkPoetryToMe at gmail.com I've been Daisy Ray and until we meet again, take care of each other. Hi, I'm April Berry. Have you listened to Bear Books Podcast yet? If not, why not? We interview indie authors, showcasing their novels, plus, we read the best flash fiction stories written by you. You can find us on social media at Bear Books Podcast.
1: Come on and join the family.